1: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. You can listen in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here in Central and Upstate New York over in Delaware, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, in and out of the country. Wherever you get the internet, you can listen in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, which is pretty much everywhere at this point. I'm waiting for the chip that they just put. They just implanted in our brains. We think about a show and all of a sudden we're listening to it. It's getting there. It's getting to that point. But I appreciate you tuning in to Wake Up Call with Dan Satora on Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. And I'm happy here in the second hour of the broadcast to be rejoined by somebody who is no stranger to the show. When he was getting recruited to play college football, we had a conversation about Syracuse, about Boston College, about his thoughts and where he was planning on going and the schools that had reached out to him. We moved forward from there to his time at Boston College and always hoped the best for him and wanted to see him have some success coming into the Dome and, and obviously Syracuse going to BC. You're always looking for Darius Wade and what Darius can do and he ended up being a starter. He got hurt. He comes back. There's multiple quarterbacks trying to be the starter at BC. He had multiple opportunities in Boston College, ultimately went to Delaware, and is now facing some adversity with what's going on physically with his body. So he has a story to tell, and it is a tremendous road that he has taken to get to where he is today, and I'm happy that he's standing upright doing his thing. So with that being said, let's bring him into the broadcast once again. Darius, how are we doing?
0: Hey, uh, thank you, Dan. I'm doing very good.
1: And and Darius, to to go back to those recruiting moments, hindsight is 2020. So, what can you say about you know how recruitment had gone for you, and ultimately choosing Boston College? Bring me back into that because we spoke about it in the heat of it, but now that you've had you know obviously years to look back on it, what were your thoughts on going through recruiting?
0: Uh, so that's definitely a great question. So pretty much looking back on it, I feel like the biggest thing I should have done was be a little bit more patient. So that's, I feel like one of the issues being a young, impressionable high school kid is because you kind of get a little anxious and you just kind of want to just make that decision right away. And like, I I went on all my visits and saw so many different beautiful places. And Boston College at that time was the one that kind of stuck out to me the most because it, fulfilled so many things that i needed which was academics a good conference and an opportunity to play early however i still recruit i think i still committed in april uh before the may like open recruitment period uh where more college coaches are going to come in and kind of take a look at me and everything like that so i just feel like in general it's always best to still be patient not try and jump the gun and definitely, I mean, I, I, I'm still not a, opposed to my decision going to Boston College. I, I understand there's a lot of adversity. Things weren't perfect, but I mean, I still have a wonderful degree,
1: have a lot of networks, and still I feel like I've myself for the future. And, you know, ultimately, when you made that decision to go to Boston College, you know, who helped you to make that decision? Who helped to make that connection? Who at Boston College were, you know, the people or the person that you really just bought into there?
0: Um, so probably one of the people was definitely the head coach, Steve Adazio. Um, That was going to be his first year being there uh, as a head coach, and he was someone who I followed when he was at Temple, and I just kind of liked just the vibe that I got from him because he, he definitely is a very intense, kind of serious guy, Um, but he seemed like he was about winning and definitely seemed like he had a genuine care about his players outside of uh, football uh, which was definitely something key to me because uh, one of the things that I knew is that I wanted to become a better person and a better man so I believe that he could have uh, done that for me uh, not only that there was um, I want to say the recruiting coordinator for uh, uh, Boston College uh, Brandon Brown he is now a uh, scout for the Philadelphia Eagles, but when I first got there, he was one of the people like who took me on my tours and kind of like helped me out- around with everything. And He was just very informative, just very helpful, very straightforward and honest, and just really didn't BS me, which I really appreciated. And Like I said, the campus is just beautiful, so it was just a lot of things that kind of just came together that just made me really like it.
1: So you had Steve Adesio, who was coming into his first season with – with the Boston College Eagles, after being over with the Temple Owls and helping them have some success, what can you say about your experience with Steve Steve Adazio and and just what he brought to your time at Boston College? Just what you think of him as a head coach?
0: Great question. Um, so with Coach Adazio, we definitely had our ups and downs. Um, it wasn't it definitely wasn't all roses and just great. But I, I just believe that. He definitely pushed me very hard. He definitely held me accountable, and he definitely wanted, at the end of the day, what was best for me. However, just like with any business or any type of team, things don't always work out in any one person's favor. Uh, So pretty much after I had that misfortune of getting hurt, then I kind of allowed myself to get in a bad mental state. And he just was there for me tried try to pull me up out of it and uh, keep me focused as well as some of my office coordinators and just different people around the facility, which was definitely a big help. But he, uh, like I said, I think he definitely was a big help. He definitely gave me a lot of valuable experiences that I can use going forward, um, especially like if I want to become a coach myself or not, that that's something that I can then use to kind of help put me in the right direction and give me like a little template of how to kind of go about it myself. And like I said, his kind of toughness was definitely something that will help me going forward because with this adversity that I faced without being able to have that mental toughness that he always preached about, then there's no way I'll really be able to just try and keep going. So this was definitely uh, like I said, a good experience. He is definitely a good coach, which is a reasoning for why he got an extension at Boston college uh, through, I think 2022. So, I mean, Hopefully the Eagles keep keep getting getting things done, and hopefully they don't have any more bowl games canceled, so they get to at least eight wins.
1: So, yeah, and, and to see that, like you said, you know, he helped take you out of a a uh, tumultuous time, and and when you got injured and kind of got down in yourself, he helped to pull you. How did he pull you out of that? And how much time did he really spend with you in 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 this? I mean, being a head coach and overseeing like a hundred players and having all of these assistants and you know, doing everything that they do and game planning and whatnot. How much time did did he spend with you? And, and did you feel like, you know, it was almost... Because, I mean, Steve Adazio, to me at least, seems like the type of individual that will go out of his way and no matter how busy he is, would try and find some time with you. Did you get that same sense from him? Bring me into it a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, definitely I did. So,
0: pretty much what he did, for me, was just accommodate me because I think I was on crutches for probably like two and a half months. I was on crutches for a while, and DC is not a very handicapped, accessible university. Um, so he managed to get me uh, some of the GAs to be able to golf cart me to class so that it was more convenient. I could make sure I can get everywhere I needed to be. Um, whether it was just him just calling me whatever time of the day just to check in, just make sure I'm doing all right. Um, even when I was, like I said, hurt for the whole season, he still uh, offered to have me come to like different the victory meals, come to um, the games and travel just so I can still feel like I'm a part of the team and just kind of feel like I'm engaged with everything and that I'm not forgotten. So it was just kind of just some nice little just small talks and just checkups just to genuinely see how- – Darius, how are you doing? Are you, are you feeling any better? Like, how how's, how's the leg coming out? It's like seeing me in the training room when I'm just getting rehab and stuff, just always checking in. So it's just nice just to know that after I got hurt, I wasn't just kind of forgotten that they were still aware that, like, I was going through a tough time and just trying to be there for me and accommodate me any way they could to help things go a little bit better. So.
1: So you, you had this, you went through this injury and, and described to everybody, you know, how long this injury was, you know, what the injury was for people that don't know, just the rehab you had to go through because you talk about kind of getting, you know, down and and sad about it, you know, depressed about it maybe. So bring me into the timetable what, you know, what the injury was and just what you had to go through to try and get back on the field.
0: Uh, so the injury was... Um, So I actually broke my tibia, so your shin bone, so I fractured that, and separated my ankle. So most people just say I broke my ankle, but I separated my ankle out of the the joint, and that amount of force ended up tearing every ligament within my ankle. So that was not ideal at all, Um, and it was very painful. Uh, So then the next day, uh, Dr. Nascimento of... The team uh, physician for Boston College then set me up for surgery. Um, They put in a thick metal plate into my ankle and put in three screws and two tight ropes, which are metal wires that they bolt in on each side of the ankle just to kind of keep all the ligaments and everything stable uh, And that still is what I have in my ankle today, so that was permanent And thankfully they didn't have to put anything into my shin And they allowed that just to heal naturally But the timetable is pretty long I was on crutches, like I said, for two and a half months And then finally was partial weight-bearing for a week And then, so now we're already in, what, uh, November November because this happened uh, mid or early September of 2015. And now I'm partial weight bearing for a week. And then they had to go back in and take out the surgical screws and then put in filler screws. So then I was back on crutches for another week. And then back to partial weight bearing for probably another two weeks. And now we're in mid-December. About to go home for break. And then I'm finally cleared to walk without a boot. And then... January hits, I was finally able to hit a little bit of a jog. February hits, a little bit of a jog to a sprint. Um, and then March hit, and I was finally able to kind of really get going, be able to do some dynamic work and kind of really get back on the football field, which is great timing because it was right before um, – fall I mean, uh, spring ball, my apologies. So it was right before spring ball, which was great. So then I was able to kind of get back and it was definitely a hard adjustment because once I got hurt, I was completely done with football because I couldn't use my leg. So just kind of being out of football for a little while, finally getting back. It was definitely a big adjustment and definitely took a lot. And not only that, we then brought in um, transfer Patrick Cole. So then that was Another challenge that I had to try and overcome and face that hurdle. So,
1: Speaking here with Darius Wade, a quarterback that spent some time with the Boston College Eagles for 2014 to 2017, ultimately ended up back in Delaware and is now going through some adversity in this moment as well. And, and Darius and I spoke during his recruitment and spoke before he had made his decision on Boston College. So it's been a long time of knowing Darius. And and when you went through this, and like you said, bringing in, you know, Boston College bringing in a transfer, I know that there were a lot of injuries that happened, including yours, to Boston College one season. I think four guys went down, or three out of four guys, or at one point all four. So, you know, when you're going through that and you're having these moments, you're trying to get back healthy, Then, as you're out, if somebody's playing well, you got to beat them. And then, if a transfer comes in, you got to beat that. And then, if a freshman comes in recruiting, you got to. So, you know, just bring me into not only at Boston College, but a broad scope of when you're a quarterback or any type of a player on a team and you go down and you're the starter or you could be the starter and now you have to deal with transfers, recruits coming in, getting back from injury, how you navigated and dealt with all of that because you're trying to get healthy, you want to be playing the game that you love, and obviously the game goes on and you have to find your way back into it once you get healthy again.
0: No, completely true. Um, so as, as you kind of laid it out, it definitely is not an easy easy thing to do. And it's a lot of times it's easy to lose faith Um, Because as you're trying to recover and get healthy, the process isn't going as fast as you want it. And you're you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back the same or I'm not going to be able to come back quick enough. And like you said, once you go through the recruiting and all the uh, transfer uh, possibilities and things of that nature, then now, like you said, now you have added competition on top of that. So now you're even that much more eager to try and hurry up and get out there so you can hopefully – Try and prove that I, I wasn't starter. I should still be the starter. And like I said, it's definitely difficult. And definitely, like I said, bringing up the same word adversity. And all you can do is really just keep a focus, head. Try, try not to let what other people say get in your head. Because a lot of people in those situations just say, "Oh, you got hurt." they brought a transfer they're probably going to replace you just just leave just go somewhere else and that's typically for a young person that's typically their main thing to do which is just run away from trouble and run away from that bad situation that they believe their own um but like i said in order to actually i feel like grow as a person you have to be able to fight to that adversity and deal with competition and i had no problem dealing with competition because uh, In order to be a good quarterback, you have to have confidence in yourself. So if I don't believe that I can beat out any quarterback that steps in front of me, then I'm not worth anything. So like I said, I was definitely more than up for the challenge. and It was definitely a hard one in an uphill battle because of the injury. But I managed to finally get back for spring ball and then took a little bit to get acclimated again. But once I got acclimated, I was definitely believed I had a pretty good spring and definitely uh, was continuing to compete and just try
1: and improve and get better and find a way to get back on that field. So, and, and when you're going through that, speaking here with Darius Wade, once again, quarterback, played at Boston College as well as Delaware, and recruited by Syracuse, recruited in the Northeast going through his time in, in high school. You know, Darius, to, to to have to deal with all that and all of the outside, outside noise, how did you handle all this stuff? Because, I'm 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 going to jump in I'm going to jump into your body for a second here okay I'm going to jump in your shoes I'm playing football I'm at I'm at the ACC level I'm playing high octane awesome football in America I'm in the ACC I'm going up against quality talent all the time in the Atlantic Division and the ACC overall I'm playing for a coach who's a high octane guy big energy guy in Steve Adazio I get hurt. I'm sitting here looking down at my legs saying, what the hell happened? I'm trying to get better. I got people carting me to class. I'm watching the games from the sideline. I'm watching these quarterbacks take over. I'm watching them go to bowl games. I'm watching them have success without me. And now I'm being told, hey, you know what? They're bringing in somebody. Why don't you just get out of here? Why don't you just move along? You're not going to find your way back onto the team. I don't know how long this is going to take me. I don't know what's going to happen as we move forward here. I mean, this had to be a tremendous cuz we we talk about the mental side of things. This had to be a tremendous mental journey for you to go from I'm playing, I'm be, to go from being recruited to national signing day. To getting to Boston College, to becoming a starter, to getting injured, to losing your job, to having people tell you to leave, to having all this outside noise, and you gotta sit in class to go through all this stuff. You gotta sit in class injured, having people whisper behind your back, having you look down at your leg, feeling bad. You still gotta be a student, you still gotta be an athlete, you still have to do the things that you promised to this university. You you gotta rehab, you gotta get better. And amidst all of this stuff, there's all of the outside noise, and then there's your brain. How did you keep your brain strong? How did you keep your mind focused? How did you handle something? Because when people get hurt at work, they go home, they eat Cheerios, they watch television. When you got hurt, You can't go home and run away, and everybody knows who Darius Wade is at Boston College, and, you know, is he coming back? When is he coming? So how did you handle the fact that, like a typical workers' compensation thing, you're not going home having, you know, having your lucky charms and watching Dr. Phil. You're sitting in class while everybody's saying, what's Darius Wade going to be after this? How did you handle that?
0: Uh, Oh, no, that was a great recap. So initially in all honesty I did not handle it well at all so something that I realized now looking back is that high school for me I did not have adversity that was something that like throughout my entire life I really never had to feel something like that I never had one of those stories where you see like on the east 60s and stuff, in the 30s 30s where they had these very adverse backgrounds that so much happened. So, for me, I never really had that. High school was just great. Started since I was a freshman with the four state championships, won two of them. Gatorade Player of the Year. All, all, so I had all these accolades. Everything was great. No issues. Being we recruited we by all these different schools. And before I left, one of the things my dad told me is that something that I have to be prepared for is adversity. And I, uh, I mean, you really can't be prepared if you never had to deal with it so i was not really i thought i was prepared but i was not at all and that was just so much going on and especially after i got hurt one of the things that i kept being told by other people uh because that was our three and nine season was that oh man if you were here like we would have been oh we would have won that game yeah dang only if you weren't hurt yeah we could have beat them um so constantly hearing that initially like that was like uh, satisfying. It was like, okay, like I'm clearly needed, I'm appreciated and I'm wanted. And people believe if I was able to still play that we would be winning. So initially that was great to hear, but over time just hearing that more and more then that started really taking a toll on me in terms of I, I know if I was playing that I feel like I could be of assistance, I could help. Like everyone was just so down and like I said, since we're having such a bad year people around campus are criticizing everyone and saying this and that. And there's just a lot of negativity and just kind of bad vibes around the team because now people are saying, you know what, I'm trying to leave, you. I'm trying to transfer Yeah, this sucks. This sucks. And there's just so much negativity and just constantly hearing that, well, if I was there, I could have fixed it. And knowing that I can't, my legs broke, it won't. I can't do anything right now. Like, it just started kind of weighing so heavy on me because, I mean, as a quarterback, just like in the interview process, and just like what a, a coach would do, a head coach would do is you have to take the blame for a lot of things. Like Even though it might not be your fault, you still take responsibility because as being that leader and being pretty much the head of the spear, you then have to take all – not take all the credit for the ones, but – You receive more of the credit for the wins but then you take pretty much all the credit for the loss so in that situation that's kind of how I took that and like you said still happened to go to school and everything like that it was just so much it just so much negativity and because of that I did actually go into a, a state of depression um when I initially got hurt it did not start off well at all um it wasn't until I then finally started getting a little bit healthier, Uh, the season was then coming to an end, so now all that was kind of behind me, and then at that point, just kind of finally let my parents in to know kind of really how I'm feeling, and talking to uh, one of my cousins, who actually is a uh, therapist, just kind of just get some information from him, and just having him just talk to me, that was uh, such a, a huge help to kind of get me over that hurdle, because I thought I was prepared for adversity, but in reality, I was not at all, and it was in a way overwhelming but thankfully with a good support system and the coaches who were understanding that I was able to kind of get over that hurdle and keep pushing forward.
1: So you ultimately speaking here with Darius Wade, you ultimately made the decision Darius to leave Boston College and go to Delaware. Bring me into that decision and after going through injury, after going through rehab, after going through all of that, you know, mental testing, to get to where you got to, to a point where you said, you know what, I feel like it is best if I move forward here and and go to another school. What made that the right decision for you, and what made Delaware the place? Good question. So, University of
0: Delaware was my first offer uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. And I remember after the offer, I was so excited and definitely, like, we took a visit a couple weeks later, and kind of get a tour around the facility and stuff. And it was just a nice environment. And like I said, it was home. So like it just felt, it felt good. But as time passed on, I then realized I was getting much bigger attention and a lot of bigger schools were giving me opportunities. And me being born and raised in Delaware, Delaware is the second smallest state, so it's not very big. And being here your whole life, you pretty much know everyone. So because of that, I just felt like, I wanted to kind of get, for college, a different experience. It's kind of like when I was at Boston College, there was a bunch of people who were from California. It's because, oh, I live on the West Coast. These four years of college, let me experience something different in the East Coast, a little bit colder weather, and just kind of have that experience and then move back to where I belong. So I kind of wanted to have that city type of vibe because I was born and raised in the suburbs and really never had, like, the city experience, and me knowing I was going to be a business major I hopefully would like to live in the city that way that'll make being a businessman a lot easier um so pretty much since UD was my first offer I knew from like the Joe Flacco story on uh, the Pat Devlin story and that uh, knowledge of these big D1A guys who transferred to UD and then had the opportunity to then play in the NFL I knew that if anything happened at the D1A level that I had no issue transferring back home, transferring down the level to the NCS level, and then playing for my home team and being able to end, thing, end my career on a high note. And this was something that I had set out since my sophomore year. After I then started getting more offers, then I realized, well, this is my perfect backup plan. And I practically uh, made them aware that, that if anything happens, I'll be right back home and I'll make sure I come here and hopefully help turn things around and be you a know, a good uh, player for this team so this is something that was already in the works and once i uh was at bc my was in 2017 um i just kind of realized that the coaches were kind of going in a different direction um because after pat tolls left in that last year um i had a great spring ball and came out of the spring ball the starter and made sure i gave him my all that fall camp and i mean ultimately Either I, either I got beat out or ultimately I felt like what I believed is that they wanted to go in a different direction in terms of at this point I'm kind of the old beat up quarterback who really hasn't played much and then you have Anthony Brown who's still playing and still the starter who they believed was the future and he was just a young gun someone that you can just really grow with so because of that, I felt like they just kind of wanted to go with the younger guy, which, I mean, it's, it's no problem. That's a, a business decision. That's an uh, organization decision. And, I mean, I am not, I can't do anything about it. I mean, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Uh, so then after that happened, he got hurt. I had a chance to play. Then finally, since I got to play the last three games, I had some film out there. So I was like, you know what, now that I finally have film, this would be a good opportunity to then transfer because even though Anthony got hurt, I don't know if his situation will be like mine where they're just going to try and replace him or not necessarily replace him, but just have a good backup plan. So because of that, they'll probably want him to be the starter again next year. So I say, you know, let me just kind of go with my plan B, head home, be able to hopefully get all the negativity and all the adversity that I had to deal with, put that all behind me and have a fresh clean slate at a new place. And, um, I thought home would be the best place for that because, I mean, I rarely had an opportunity to go home at all at my time at BC because I'll stay from Session 1. Um, I'll stay over most breaks in order to make sure I could graduate in three years like I did. So I was just rarely home at all. But, um, yeah, so that was, that was pretty much the reasoning uh, for my, my decision. Just wanted to kind of be home around family, have a fresh clean slate, and This is something that I had in the work since I was a sophomore in high school, so it's something I already know I was going to do.
1: That Coming from Darius Wade here with us this morning, going through his recruitment, going to Boston College, back and forth with Anthony Brown at BC, and then ultimately coming to Delaware. Darius, you did what a lot of quarterbacks are doing in college football now which is transferring and, you know, being able to shift over to another team and play. There's these new opportunities. You could play up to four games in a season and still redshirt. So you can keep your time. You can go out there. You can get some experience. Then you could sit down and, you know, have four years left on it. You can transfer now. And, you know, at an all-time rate, I feel like people are transferring quarterbacks. There's 14 quarterbacks that have chosen, at least the last time I checked here on the tracker here, 14 different quarterbacks that have chosen to move, and there's more on the docket here. Kelly Bryant's going from Clemson to Missouri. Alex Delton went from Kansas State to UTEP, he thought, and then later changed it to TCU. Justin Fields going from Georgia to Ohio State. Ben Hicks, SMU to Arkansas to rejoin His former head coach, Chad Morris. Jalen Hurts is going from Alabama to Oklahoma after they faced off in the college football playoff. Johnny Langan's going from B.C. to Rutgers. Tate Martell, Ohio State to Miami. Devin Modster from UCLA to Cal. Riley Neal from Ball State to Vanderbilt. Cameron Rising from Texas to Utah. Sean Sean Robinson from TCU to Missouri. Jordan Travis from Louisville to Florida State. Jake Tuttle, Utah to Indiana. Brandon Wimbush, Notre Dame to UCF. So it's happening, and that's just the quarterbacks that I've named. What do you think about about this, about a Jalen Hurts who's a starter? You were a starter, right? And Tua Tagovailoa comes in, and all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts is the forgotten man. So he's shipping out and going to the team that they just beat in the college football playoff, Kelly Bryant. Didn't like how things were when Trevor Lawrence came in. He decided midseason to leave. You know, there's there's these guys like Tate Martell who didn't really feel like maybe there was going to be a chance for him at Ohio State. Ben Hicks, you know, going back to be with his old head coach. Maybe didn't like the situation with Sonny Dykes. What do you think about all of this? Because you made the move. Other guys made the move. But I'm looking at a long list of quarterbacks who were some successful guys who had a lot of talk behind them that, you know, these schools are never going to see because they're going to go try and do it somewhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, that's, that's a great question. That's definitely a trend that is definitely happening. Um, thankfully, unfortunately, the NCAA is doing a good job of making transferring a more uh, accessible and easier uh, process to go through. Because before there was a whole, you gotta know, talk to your coach, compliance, your athletic director, all these people had to be in and everyone had to sign off and approve for you to leave. You would have to sit out a year. So there's all these different complications that made it difficult to do, but now they're realizing that you can't really hold a kid hostage at a school. If he truly believes he wants to leave, then you can't just keep him there. If he wants to leave, then allow him to leave and go somewhere else. Because, I mean, coaches, they can pick up and leave and go wherever They just end up going somewhere else regardless. Um, so coaches had that uh, that ability but for some reason they didn't allow players to have it. And I understand why they didn't want like practically like this to turn into free agency where now it's like a recruiting period where all right, let's make uh, Oklahoma a super team this year. All right, let's go to Florida this year and make a super team. And everyone just kinda just of talk and just all go to the same place. Um, kinda of like they do in the NBA. So I, I, I know that's uh that was a deterring factor. And also, they want people to go to these schools for school primarily, and then football is a secondary thing. But yeah, I feel like especially now you're going to see a huge rise in, in quarterbacks trying to transfer. And It's not even a situation of you know like competition, or it's just this generation of quarterbacks. It's a simple fact of people aspire to go to the NFL, want to play at the next level, and you only have one college career to do that. And people think four to five years is a long time. So it goes by very quickly. So because of that, you have to seize your opportunity, and every time you have a chance to be on that field, you need to make the most of it. If people are aware that only one quarterback gets to play, yeah, he might get hurt, yeah, he might do bad, but those are mites, And you can keep just waiting and guessing, and then there goes your career. So because of that, people are just trying to take initiative and say, you know what, I can just kind of see how the situation is playing out, This is not technically the – this isn't the best situation for me to excel and be able to put myself out there to perform well. So because of that, I'm going to go somewhere else where I feel like I'll be more needed, more wanted, and be able to be used more effectively. And then that's why this is definitely a big uprising in these uh, transfer quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, you know, and and seeing that, seeing this situation, like you said, uh, if you don't want to be held hostage, if you want to leave, you're going from the the player's point of view. Speaking here with Darius Wade, who played quarterback at BC, recruited by Syracuse, ultimately ended up back at home in Delaware. When when you're going through this, and a coach essentially, and and there's multiple angles to this argument, but from your player point of view, if you go somewhere and a coach recruits you to go there. And you got a great position coach, you got a great head coach, and then the head coach goes, you know what? I don't wanna be here anymore. I wanna to go to Texas Tech. I wanna to go to Oklahoma. You know, I think I would fit best at Oregon. And they hightail it out of there and you're left here wondering what's gonna happen. You go a couple months without a coach, you don't know who's coming in, and then a new coach comes in and they have the recruits and they wanna bring in their guys and you're from the other staff, so maybe they don't maybe they don't like you because you're not one of their guys. They want to make their mark. They want to show they know how to recruit. Maybe you have a great relationship. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't want to sit there and figure it out. Bring me into that aspect of it because there's a lot of people transferring, and there's some negatives to that, and there's some positives to that, but one of the things that I could see from your point of view is if you have a coach dedicate themselves to you, and then they say, you know what, Darius, I don't want to be here anymore anymore and they got a 10-year contract, they only serve two of the years, they buy out and go somewhere else. If they leave, then why should you be required to stay? I know that that wasn't your situation. I know Steve Adazio is still at BC, but to speak from a player's point of view, when a head coach gets fired or a head coach leaves, do you feel like players should be handcuffed and have to stay there not knowing who their next leader is going to be? Um, so I know this is definitely a um, big question,
0: um, like you mentioned. And the NCAA, I know, is trying to do a good job with rule changes to make them not handcuffed because they know, like you just said, you explained it perfectly in terms of once that new coach comes in, there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't know if it's a good coach. You don't, let's say you were in a spread offense and now you get a new coach and he says, all right, we're going to be just like Georgia Tech and go triple option. If you're a statue pocket-passing quarterback, that is awful. You need to leave. So because of that, you just, like I said, there's just a lot of uncertainty. Things might not work out in your favor. A lot of coaches yeah, do the typical. I'm gonna bring my guys with me. Because I remember uh, when was it? James Franklin went from Vanderbilt to. Uh, penn state and he like literally his entire vanderbilt recruiting class all then came with him when he transferred over to uh, penn state so like that's something that's definitely very common to do and like you said people just want to leave their mark and show that yeah these are my guys and yeah i forget what the old staff did there's a reason why they got fired but these are my guys this is why i'm bringing them in Um, So, like I said, it should definitely not be a situation where any player should be handcuffed. They should have the ability to kind of seek a, a new refuge because, like I said, there's plenty of instances where players decide to stick it out and hopefully things will work out and just being hopeful in general and things just really don't work in their favor next thing you know your career is over or a couple years down the line now you're trying to transfer and just saying dang why not transfer when i have the opportunity once the coach left so like i said it's definitely a situation where people should really give a hard look at potentially leaving because a lot of change is in store if you stay around with this new coaching stuff
1: well and, and and that's the uh, you know, conundrum is you that- You know, there's a there's a lot on the players. There's a lot on you guys of saying, you know, why are why are they doing this? You know, why why are they moving? Why can't they commit? You know, we relied on these guys. Why can't why why can't you know? Are they too young to to understand what's going on? Do they not believe in commitment and whatnot? But you can always say that about the coach as well. And it's, it's it's commonplace for a coach to say, I'm signing a five-year extension. I'm going to be here until 2028. And then 2019 rolls around, and he has a conversation with Arkansas and says, see you later. So, you know, it, it's – I mean, Manny Diaz, I just brought up in the first hour of the show with Alex Dodd, who came onto the broadcast. Manny Diaz wasn't even in Temple for three weeks. He didn't even get to run a practice before he went back to Miami. So, you know, you think about these situations where Temple's looking for their head coach. They're trying to find the right guy. They go through this entire situation. They got players waiting and seeing what's going on. They got to play a bowl game amidst all of this. And they decide that Manny's at the top of the board. They offer him a contract. He agrees to it. He's flying up there to Philadelphia and then Mark Rick says, "You know what? I'm going to retire. I'm not going to do this thing in Miami anymore." And Manny leaves and goes back to Miami, leaving Temple with nothing. I mean, you know, Philadelphia is not that far away from from, you know, Boston, Massachusetts. What do you think about a situation like that where if you were on that Temple team and you find out your head coach is going to be Manny Diaz and you go, "Okay, I'm going to see what he's like. I'm going to give him a few weeks here. I'm going to play this bowl game and I'm going to get a feel for him before I decide what I'm going to do." And he's not even there three minutes and he's back down in Miami as a player. How would you have handled a situation like that to wait for your head coach, get your head coach, not have the guy that recruited you. He takes his staff with him to Georgia tech and you're like, okay, well we have Manny Diaz. Let's see what he's all about. And the plane never lands, so to speak. No, like you said, that, that would
0: be a very interesting type of situation. Um, yeah, I'm curious. I'm, like I said, I'm definitely looking into that myself to see how some of those players uh, reacted to that, because that—that's something that, like you said, that's not, not not only annoying but just something that really shouldn't happen. You. Like that's the whole purpose of a contract. If you sign a contract, that means you are agreeing to do this. That's the reason why you take your time before you sign the contract. Same thing with, with uh signing a national letter of intent. Um, you have to make sure that you take your time and really. Consider and understand that, yes, is this a decision you want to make? Because it is a commitment. And with that commitment, you expect people to follow through. Um, it's just similar to, like, a promise. And the fact that he said, I'm going to be here for you guys, and I'm going to be your coach. And then once he sees us uh, shining your opportunities. Oh, forget you guys. I got something better. And that's, like, kind of just sadly, I mean, how some coaches are. Because, I mean, everyone – not everyone, but a lot of coaches are all about kind of just growing in terms of, all right, if I started at a D D2 school, now and I'm trying to get up to D1AA. All right, now I'm, now I'm to D1A, but I'm only the uh, uh, offensive coordinator. Now I want to be a head coach. All right, now I also got the head coach. Now I want to be a head coach of a big school. And then now the NFL, And like everyone just wants to continue to just grow. So because of that, they'll do whatever, whatever it takes. And that's in terms of just working people extremely hard. I mean, a couple – yeah, had, over the last few years, a couple of deaths and things like that that happened because people really want to win that badly. And, I mean, I understand that's the whole purpose of the game, and it's competitive, but sometimes these coaches really don't always have the best interests of the players and really are kind of selfish in their intentions, which is unfortunate.
1: Yeah, you know, we're living and, – and that's, and that's the situation is, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate through this storm and, and to be in these unique situations that, again, and people forget this – these are young kids, you know, you're, you're not, you're not an old man when you're, when you're playing college football, you're a teenager, you're in your early twenties. So you decide to go over to Delaware and, you know, recently, like you just put out a thing, you know, people were asking, why wasn't I out there on the field this season and whatnot. So what's going on with Darius Wade today? What's happening in the here and now? What is the present in the future looking like? What's the road that you are taking right now, Darius?
0: So, for me, uh, was it? it was in August. My shoulder started acting up during fall camp. And, like, I went to the trainers and said, yeah, my shoulder's, like, super sore when I'm throwing it. I really don't know what to do. So, they just looked at it. said strength was good. Range of motion was good. So Says, hey, you're fine. It's probably just sore from this uh, up. Up, increase in, um, in repetitions because we've done a lot for fall camp. So I so, said, uh, you know, you're right. So just iced it, put like heat in the morning, stretches and stuff. Uh, however, as fall camp continued, it just progressively got worse and worse. And in reality, this was something that I felt before. Uh, the first time I felt it was sophomore year at BC um, uh, during fall camp as well. And it was something that I felt before, but I was able to just kind of change my arm slot and then I was kind of good to go. And there was no problems. But for some reason, even after I changed it, it just kept hurting and hurting and kept getting worse. Uh, so I kept going back and they kept saying, well, I mean, everything still looks fine. So I believe you're fine. And just tried different things. Didn't work. And then one day uh, I tried to throw an 18-yard dig route. So that's a, a big boy throw. And you got to really put some juice on it. So I tried to really get it out there. And as I went to throw, throw it, then my entire arm just went numb so uh at that point i said yeah i need to see a doctor so i went to see a doctor he believed i had some type of impingement that was uh, kind of causing my uh pain and my soreness and things and just gave me a little regimen to kind of use to kind of fix it. it didn't work um then he thought i possibly had a labrum tear so then just since i was still technically able to throw then he thought it was a grade one, so I didn't do surgery. So then we were just doing the rehab for that. That didn't work, so we finally got an MRI, and then the MRI showed that it was a bone that was uh, potentially causing all my issues. So in all your joints in your body, you have growth plates, and my growth plate and my throwing shoulder decided not to fully grow and fuse together. So because of that, it was just kind of separated, and it was just two separated bones that was supposed to be connected. And at some point I took a hit that then forced one of the bones to be low lying. So now that bone actually pretty much digs into my rotator cuff. So now as I go to throw, then it's causing fraying, which is just kind of peeling away at my rotator cuff. It also hits different nerves and stuff, which is why my arm went to sleep or went numb the, uh, one time. Um, and then also it causes an impingement cause it's kind of like a doorstop or a, a blocker where now as i'm trying to raise up my arm and throw it kind of gets locked and stuck and i kind of have to fight through it so then went to uh, a surgeon uh to talk to him about what are my options and they thought they could just uh shave off or remove the bone and they realized it was too big to do that and they said the surgery modern medicine surgery for this technical uh a uh, problem is like an 85% fill rate because they'll put a metal plate in it. And typically because I'm a high-volume thrower, it will then cause wear and tear, uh, cause complications that will then make it even worse. Um, so then now, uh, my doctor apparently just said, yeah, this isn't uh, looking too good. I mean, you might want to look into doing something else with your life because I don't, I'm don't, i not touching it. I don't know how to fix this. And I'll do my due diligence and call around. They call it the Steelers team physician, the Eagles team physician, the 49ers team position, as well as the uh, University of Alabama team position. just to kind of get their opinions, have they seen this before, have they fixed anybody with pilot What what they do, and uh, only one of them saw, which I think was the Steelers team physician, and all he suggested was just themselves, but that's extremely experimental and not... A guaranteed work uh, and also insurance companies simply so don't pick it up because it's experimental so, so then time kept going on kind of trying to figure out answers and then finally uh just recently went down to uh, to atlanta to meet with the with the, the orthopedic surgeon who uh is over the shoulder throwing specialist so he works on like and quarterbacks and things of that nature and he actually uh, did uh drew Brees' shoulder uh back when he had his shoulder complications so like he's a well-known person someone who has very good credibility and uh, unfortunately he just said he really didn't know what to do to kind of help fix me because he said he knows that i aspire to try and make it to that next level but whatever he's cons- whatever he's considering doing he believed wouldn't get me to uh, nfl throwing level it would just get me to a uh, be able to go in the backyard and slingle with my kids level. So like I said, that was definitely not what I wanted to hear. And kind of to hear that your career is over for the second time was definitely very disheartening. Um, however, I mean, I've already been able to deal with so much and been told a lot of things that I could and couldn't do. And I just feel like, I mean, this is just another time that God's testing me. So I don't want to just kind of roll over and just die. I'm, I'm definitely going to keep pushing forward and just, no matter what, just keep trying to find a way to uh, get my shoulder fixed and uh, just get myself back out there at some point. But in the meantime, I still have to be a realist. While it's hurt, I can't really do anything football-wise. So because of that, I still have to be a productive human being and be able to make money, pay for my rent, and things of that nature. So uh, currently, I'm just working part-time at a GNC uh, with the supplement store. Uh, just to kind of gain some type of work experience because one of the unfortunate things is as being a college football player, yeah, I have a great degree from Boston College and I'm about to get a master's degree, but in terms of getting a job, most companies, all they care about is work experience. And being a football player, unable to have internships and jobs and things of that nature, then I was kind of at a disadvantage in that point, point of view. So I thought it would be beneficial to kind of Definitely start getting some job experience. Um, Something I was also considered doing was uh, joining the Air Force and serving serving my country. However, now we're in this government lockout and things aren't looking all that great. So definitely going to put that on hold for a little bit. Um, But like I said, just trying to weigh my options, kind of just doing some soul searching, just figuring out who I am, what I love, and what it is I want to do. And in the meantime, like I said, still trying to get my shoulder fixed along the way. So that's where I'm at currently. And in the future, like I said, I could could pretty much be anywhere. I know I have a job opportunity uh, back up in Boston at uh, Suffolk Construction, which is awesome. Also looking into some potential coaching jobs. So just trying to get myself as many options as possible so I can kind of be in a good position going forward. So.
1: And that coming here from Darius Wade, you know, finding a way through all of this stuff. Like you said, God testing you again. You know, you've you brought up a bunch of different ideas. You got a job back in Boston. You know, you're doing what you got to do in school. You have opportunities. You looked at, like you said, you know, joining the Air Force and whatnot. So you have all of these different pieces and things that you can do. Some people would just give up. Some people just sit at home and sulk and feel bad. Some people would stop believing in God. You said, God is testing me again. What is faith in your life? What is the meaning of God in your life? And and when these moments happen, do you kind of shake your fist at God or do you say, hey, you know what? I know you love me. We got to figure out. You're telling me something. I got to figure out what you're telling me
0: not exactly so with me um since i was young faith was something that was always instilled in me um my parents definitely wanted me to be a god-fearing god-fearing man and to go to church and kind of learn as much about him as possible and pretty much i just faith is just such an important thing to have because in times like these where you just feel like you don't know what to do and everything's just there's just so much going on and it's just so so intense and you just kind of like you said get to that point where you just want to just give up and just stop then you just have to have faith that this is all a part of a bigger plan and just to kind of take a step back take a deep breath and really just look at the scope of the bigger picture and realize that there's so much more that you're capable of doing. God didn't put you on this earth just to only play football. You have so many other things that you can then give to this world, so don't limit yourself just to football and be so torn up about it. So I guess this is just his way of either saying, well, I want you to do something else with your life and impact this world, or he was saying, if you can make it through this adversity, if you can deal with this pain and find a way through it that there will be so many more rewards at the end in football for you. So I feel like it's either one of those two ways. And like I said, at this point, I'm trying to prepare myself for either one, uh, whether it's just me just continuing to work out and staying in tip-top shape or, like I said, just working and filling out these uh, job applications and stuff like that. So.
1: And, and for you, I mean, did you ever look at or think about the idea of, of going out there and you know, and being a coach and, and having an opportunity to coach out there. I mean, I know you talked about getting your body right and working out and whatnot, but would you be interested if football is not something you could continue to play body-wise, you know, for the health of your body and your arm and whatnot, would you look at that opportunity and and, and say to yourself, you know, maybe I could be a quarterback coach, you know, maybe I can move up the ranks here. Is that something that you would ever look at?
0: Uh, so actually – Yes. Um, so that was something my parents had told me for a while. Um, I also like had opportunities back in high school, as well as even in college, to like kind of work some of these like college camps and stuff. And I had an opportunity to work the college camp at University of Delaware this uh, past summer. And like you know, you have like other schools that can also come come to these uh, camps just to also recruit. Um, and like a lot of them were like watching me coached the quarterbacks and felt like I, I could definitely be a coach and they thought I did a really good job and we're saying like practically after after you're done, I mean, if you want to come coach then yeah, it definitely hit us up. So like I've been told that I can do a good job with it and that's something even when I was at B C and Anthony came in as a true freshman like, I'm always someone who, like, my dad always get mad at me. He's like, what are you doing? You can't tell them all your secrets. You got to at least have something to have an advantage. I'm like, I just want to, like, help people. Like, if there's things that I know that you don't, then I'm going to give you that information. And even though it might backfire because now you're playing and I'm not, like, I still feel some type of gratitude to be of assistance and help uh, kids be better. So, because of that, I feel like that's something that is definitely in my nature and something I could do a good job at. Um, it's just a matter of if I, if I get an opportunity or not, so
1: that coming from Darius Wade. Plenty of opportunities out there. A go-getter not sitting there on the couch slouching but realizing that there could be some opportunity to continue to play football, there's an opportunity that could be there to coach football. You brought up a bunch of different avenues and Darius, I wanted to have you on the show today not just because, you know, you had some time to play in college football, but because of the fact that, you know, you've always stayed true to the conversation. You know, I told you, I tell everybody that's going through recruitment, whatever school you go to, whoever you end up choosing, you always have a spot. You can always come back on wake-up call. We can always talk. And you were looking at Syracuse, looking at BC, looking at all these places, and ultimately chose Boston College. You and I kept in touch. And when you got hurt, you know, I shot you that text message. Because to me, no matter what school you ended up at, I wanted to see you like you said. You want to see other people do well. You want to see other people succeed. So, you know, I got to thank you for coming on today and being so open and honest about your story, about adversity, about these bigger questions that we ask in college football. But more than anything, I want to thank you for letting me speak with you when you were in high school and now all these years later, staying true to that, keeping in touch, and that when I texted you, you you texted me back. So it, it means a lot and it goes a long way to, you know, have you on the show today because it comes from you keeping in touch and and uh you know obviously you know building a, a relationship that i appreciate and i respect very much so so above all things whether you ever throw a pass again i thank you for you know being here today and being here five years ago
0: of course uh, thank you thank you so much for having me like i said uh I was always told since I was young, never burn any bridges and always be there, be there for people that were there for you. Um, so, like I said, you were there. Someone was there from from the start. And uh, like I said, I appreciate all your insights and I appreciate you all just kind of checking in and just making sure I'm all right. And like I said, it definitely doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you.
1: Uh, anytime. And I know that in uh, uh, is it in Elizabethtown or is it is it called Elizabethtown? There's a pizza place in Delaware. Maybe it's called Elizabethtown. I it's um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's uh, it, they have a fig pizza. It's like fig and something like that. I don't know. There's a really good pizza spot in Delaware, and I was talking to Trevor Cooney, who played Syracuse basketball, and I, I mentioned it to him, and he's like, "Yeah, Delaware's so small that you kind of just know where everything. is. Where's the pizza hot spot in your opinion? Where is it for you in Delaware?"
0: Um. So from what I was always told. Most people were big grottoes people. Um, so Grotto's pizza is like chain uh, franchises like primarily in Delaware and other surrounding parts. But I know Grotto's is definitely the big typical spot. But I don't know, I was never too much of a pizza guy. You know, I, I bloat when I uh <laughs> too much bread, so can't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, but now, nah, yeah, I'll definitely. A grotto's guy with That That was a great place where, like, anytime you're young, that's where all like the youth teams would all go, like, for their victory meals and other uh, banquets and stuff. So it was a nice, like, family atmosphere and really good pizza. So, all
1: right, fair enough. Well, that coming from <laughs> Darius Wade, can't have the pizza because it makes you bloat. I mean, I get it. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> you gotta, gotta look good. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta look good. You gotta take. Listen, you gotta you gotta always look good for the pictures. You gotta be ready for you know. I see I can't say the word selfie because it, it I feel like it makes every man sound like a sixteen year old girl. So I won't say it. But you know, you you gotta you gotta take good pictures. So, you know, cheers to everything going on. Hopefully some good news with your body. Keep me updated on everything that's that's going on, and no matter what happens, Darius, as I said five years ago, you always have a spot right here on Wake Up Call. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. All right, man, be good and take care of Delaware for us, okay? So yes, sir. <laughs> All right, take care. That coming from Darius Wade one more time. I mean, I mean, those are the stories that you love to tell, right? You know, he's just like he—he's—he appreciates his. Like he's been through so much. You realize so much. I mean, everything that this man had to go through mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, socially. My, economically now because, you know, you're trying to find a job where maybe you're thinking in your head, I'm going to the NFL when you're growing up because you have these opportunities and you could throw the ball, and now that you're hurt, you have to kind of, okay, what am I going to study in school? do I want to What do I want to do for the rest of my life? What do I want to do for the here and now? There's all these things. See, we see these athletes, and we see them healthy and injured, and if they get injured, you forget about the injured guy because you're looking at the healthy guy, and you're hoping that that guy is going to win the next game. But they're individuals. They're human beings. They're somebody's children. They're somebody's brother. They're somebody's sister. They're somebody's boyfriend or girlfriend. Somebody's best friend. Somebody's niece, nephew, grandchild. Darius Wade is one of those people. And I hope that his story is tremendous. Tremendous. Because there's nothing better than seeing somebody rise out of the fire. So you're going to do it, Darius. And I'm going to hang out on the ride because I can't wait to see what you're going to do. We'll take a step aside for a fast break. We'll be back in just a moment. Under promise over deliver. We're supposed to end at 11. We have more show to have, so we're going to go a little bit later today. This is a wake up call
0: fast break.
1: Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing. With Utica Pizza Company bringing Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan wakeup on wakeupcalldt.com, your one stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcall. DT hanging out here in the studios going a little bit later here on a Tuesday, January 22nd. Happy Tuesday to everybody. Want to let you know once again before we get into our last segment of the show that we have a twofer, a back to back double header live event going on at the Press Room Pub tonight and that is at 220 Herald Place in Historic Herald Square. Downtown Syracuse, 220 Herald Place. That's where you got to be, right by Clinton Square. It is going to be tremendous tonight. We have Coach Q, the Syracuse women's basketball head coach that's going to be joining us from 6 to 7 p.m. live on Facebook Live and obviously live on location for all the fans that come out to hang out with us, get a drink, get something to eat, meet Coach Q, get an autograph from Coach Q. So Q is going to be with me from 6 to 7 at the press room. And then from 7 o'clock on, we're going to have live trivia. So come hang out with the coaches show and then play some trivia. 6 to 7 Coach Q, 7 o'clock on trivia. We're going to have a big big night at the Press Room Pub. We're going to have a ton of fun tonight. Can't wait for the opportunity to get out to the Press Room Pub and have some fun with Coach Q and have some fun with trivia as well. So We look forward to seeing you out there. Free parking, over 400 spots. Come hang out at 220 Herald Place in Historic Herald Square tonight, and we will have ourselves a tremendous time. With that being said, it's time to get into our final part of of today's show, and that is the ingredients to success. Proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company, and it's a Utica thing. Utica Pizza Company and it's a Utica thing are two tremendous businesses all roped into one, and Utica Pizza Company is located on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York. You can call them for catering as well as delivery and takeout by calling 315-214-3060. That's 315 214 214 3060. Make sure you make that phone call and get in touch with them if you want to have an event catered for your business or personal life, as well as if you're looking for some takeout. You want to get the chicken riggy pizza to go today. Great idea to bring back to the office or bring to the kids tonight for some dinner. Chicken riggy pizza. Make it happen. It's the wake up call. Number one pick 315 214 3060. Or you can go see them in North Syracuse on 628 South Main Street. It's a Utica thing. Are the Utica Pizza Company sauces that are available to you at now Wegmans, Price Chopper, Nichols, Spira's, Stewart Shops, Beacon Skiff, so on and so forth, all throughout upstate? New York and Central New York, and all throughout the state of New York in and of itself, you can go and get the It's a Utica Thing riggy sauces, the roasted garlic riggy, the piggy riggy, the veggie riggy, the chicken riggy, the matanad sauce, the famous tomato pie. You can get a a frozen tomato pie that you put into your oven for like eight minutes and it comes out tasting like they just made it five seconds ago. All of that is available to you through It's a Utica Thing products that you will find on the shelves of the stores near you here in Central and Upstate New York. So go get you some, and I very, 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 very much am excited for uh, It's a Utica thing and everything that they've built and what Utica Pizza Company has done in general. So big ups to Utica Pizza Company and It's a Utica thing, and a thank you to Charlie D. Christina, Phil Russo, and the entire team that works tirelessly to make the meals that feel like they're homemade because... They're from homemade recipes. So they are what they say they are, which is a beautiful thing to find in today's world. They're extremely hardworking. They don't ask for any handouts. And in all the time that I've known Charlie and Phil, they have diligently pounded the pavement themselves to be what they want to be. They want their dreams to come true, so they have worked crazy hours to make it possible. The time that they spent in how they were going to label the sauces to getting the tomato pie right to all of the ingredients that go into it and making sure that you know you can preserve it inside of this container but it has to keep the same flavor and it can't change just constantly taste testing it and looking at the labels and and all of that packaging and who is going to be doing it where are they going to be getting it from and meeting with the stores and doing demonstrations and you know, all, all the while running Utica Pizza Company, all the while making sure that you have your day-to-day restaurant going while you're building up all this other stuff and going out to fairs and going out to events and, and always making themselves available. And they have tremendous families to allow them to do so. So to the DeGristina family and the Russo family and to Phil and Charlie and everybody involved in Utica Pizza Company and It's a Utica Thing, congratulations. Keep it going. Because we rise together, right? And as Wake Up Call rises, Utica Pizza rises. And as Utica Pizza rises, Wake Up Call rises. And it's a Utica thing as well within all of that. So you got to surround yourself with people that have the same drive as you do. And I will tell you that I've I've never been known to stop <laughs> stop going. But if for some reason I ever thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to give up, which I could never do. I can't even, it makes me want to throw up to say those words. You know, you're surrounded by people like Charlie and Phil that just, uh, you pick each other up and you're always there for each other. So shout out to Phil and Charlie. And I appreciate the entire team at Utica Pizza company and it's a Utica thing. So it's time to do the ingredients to success. And I'm going to go off of Darius Wade's story and the ingredients to success coming off of what Darius Wade had to go through. Keep your mind strong. Read books. Okay, read self-help books. Don't feel bad about it. I got a book called Stop Walking on Eggshells. You know, there's The uh, Secret. People like to read that book. There's books on, you know, meditation, mindfulness. There's, uh, you know, how how to deal with people who project. You know, there's a book that I have that says, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, dot, dot, dot. And it's all small stuff. So Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, by the way, it's all small stuff stuff that you're worrying about. If you're alive and you're here, guess what? Everything else is trivial. And, you know, to really create that big picture of if you're going through cancer treatment, you're still alive. Keep rolling. If somebody doesn't like your post on social media, keep rolling. If somebody breaks up with you, oh my God, my life's over. No, it's not. Keep rolling. And it creates perspective. So read books, read self-help books, stretch, meditate, a healthy body is a healthy mind. A healthy mind is a healthy body. So do right by yourself. If your body doesn't feel good, go to the doctor. Get a checkup. Do what you need to do. Say a prayer for me today. I have to go for a uh, nerve test, and I have no idea what that's going to mean and what and what that does. So just uh, say a prayer that everything works out well, and I'll say a prayer for you, too, and whatever's going on in your life. And... You know, so take the time for yourself. Go to the doctor when you need to go to the doctor. Like, I'm, I'm going, right? Go to the doctor. Get checked up. Stretch. Eat healthy. Think about what matters to you in your life and prioritize. If you're really bad at being on time, which I am not the best at it, then, you know, practice leaving 15 minutes earlier than you were going to leave. If you have an appointment at one thirty, instead of leaving the house at 1 o'clock, leave the house at 12.45. God forbid you get there early, get yourself a, a coffee, and, and sit and wait for the person to meet you there. So, you know, practice being on time. Practice valuing your time. Watch a show. You know, I've been going to sleep at night watching comedy specials the last few nights. Watch, you know, stuff that makes you laugh or that makes you think. If you love to sing, sing more. If, you, if you're a writer, then take some time to write down your feelings. Some some people can write their feelings out, and it gets them out of their body, right? Because we're, our head gets congested. So we have to find the thing that releases the pressure from our head. And for some of us, it's writing all the feelings down. For other people, it's playing basketball or playing sports. For other people, it's singing. For other people, it's meditating or it's jogging. Whatever it is for you, do it. As long as it's healthy and you're not hurting anybody, do it. You know? For me, when I have a lot of feelings and a lot of thoughts, when I write it down, I look at them. And then all of a sudden I start to feel better. So I have to write more. That's my thing. So find your ingredients to success. Find your your, your happy. Find what you need to do to, to get you to that happy point. Don't say I'm going to be happy someday. Don't say I'm going to be happy someday. Be happy today. Because someday may never come. And someday is not a day of the week, right? There's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but there's not a someday. So the time for you to enjoy life is right now. Because if you're waiting for someday, it doesn't exist. It's not on the calendar. So do it today. and Be good to yourself.